Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas that you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. Uh, I'm your host, Kent Engle, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SEU chief of staff. And we're excited. This podcast is now exclusively a part of our SEU podcast network. And today I'm excited to introduce our guests for today's show, Dr. Charles Galden and Dr. Sam Hemby. They are all-star faculty members all here stars. at Southeastern <laughs> University. Both uh, big favorites of our student body. As professors at uh, SEU, both Charles and Sam have experienced uh, so much in leadership and ministry. Dr. Golden helped build the master's program in leadership in the Jerusalem Study Center program. Part of Dr. Golden's doctorate was completed in Israel in the field of archaeology, which included advanced language training in Hebrew, Greek, Egyptian, Phoenician, and Aramaic. In addition to his work as professor, Charles also served as pastor in South Carolina for, what, over 30 years, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just awesome. an amazing, uh, and we're so grateful he's he's at Southeastern. Yes, and we also have Dr. Sam Hemby with us. Sam is, uh, Dr. Hemby is an ordained minister with over two decades of church ministry experience serving churches in Florida, Illinois, and also you guys continue to serve in Alaska yes. every summer going up yes. and, and helping those that you were sharing with us a little bit before the mm-hmm. show started. Um, long history in church administration, church leadership, how to how to make churches w- um, run well, your, your church business administration class is infamous. Uh, if you mm-hmm. were a Southeastern student in practical ministries, we learned so, so much in, in that in that uh, class. So, And you also are a conference speaker, guest lecturer in uh, lots of different venues outside the U.S., including Haiti and the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. on that side of it. So. so welcome, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today about leadership and, and ministry. You both recently published the book, Lead Like a King, Queen. And the book discusses the leadership principles of uh, 19 kings and one queen from the Judean kingdom. So tell us a little bit uh, 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 about your hearts behind this writing and what motivated you to share it with uh, with everyone as we begin to read this great work. Uh, I think it, it, it's fair to start with me in the sense that uh, Sam and I were playing golf one day. Okay. And I told him about... Uh, this study that I had desired to do for many, many years. I, I went to Southeastern. I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys knew that. Yeah. I came here in 74. So this oh. fall will be 47 Some years ago. Years. I wow. showed up as, as a kid, a little skinny kid, you know. <laughs> but back in those days, they made you memorize all those kings. Now, okay, we're, we're right. smart enough not to do that now because yeah. it, it is so much. But anyway, but I told Sam, I had the ancient world I could do, but I, uh, you know, his degree is in leadership. Sure. And, and yours too and you know you guys would be much better applying those principles and he instantly jumped on it and mm. he found so many things I would I was bragging on him all the time but I bragged on him yesterday I, I said I don't know who could get those things <laughs> like he does to apply it to the 21st century so in essence a little slogan we say it we're speaking between two worlds mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, an ancient biblical literature, which is a lot. People don't realize a lot do- devoted to those kings. Oh yeah, for our admonition, and it's sort of like Clint Eastwood's movie, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And the mm-hmm. Ugly, yeah. some ugly mm-hmm. in there yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah. So walk us a little bit through what 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 did the writing process look like for you guys? How did you kind of dive into how the how the book worked? How did you start um, identifying those principles and mm. going from there? Well, I'll just jump in here. The day that Charles was speaking about about our golfing. 
adventure. We were in my driveway when he was telling me about this, and I jumped out and said, you know, I'll, I'll do the practical part. I walked inside. I didn't even tell you this, Charles. I walked inside and said, what in the world did I just do? <laughs> what did I just commit Always. to? But anyway, we... Um, he had a lot of his historical, theological, biblical foundation written, so I had something to go ahead and, and run off of. So it took us it took us a lifetime to write the book, but it took us about eight months or so to put it down on paper. Mm, yep. So that's uh, that's kind of how we began to do it. He would write the biblical historical part, and then he would give it to me, and I would I'd pray about it, work through the practical parts, and, and we'd go back and forth that way. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, in, in one of the chapters you discuss, King, and, and you talk about memorizing, you also got to know how to pronounce him. So mm -hmm. is it Asa? As, Asa. Asa, Asa. yes. Mm -hmm. and, his, and his attitude, um, you know, with arrogant listening and, mm -hmm. and kind of this entitlement, uh, often we, we can see leaders struggle with, with a sense of uh, pride, especially in the workplace, um, and, and, and fail to address you know the their personal issues, mistakes, things that mm. that that happen. What are the best ways for uh, ministry leaders to to be firm in their identity, but but also showing a sense of humility and sacrifice in in the true way that they serve. Yeah, um, they're 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 wonderful people. God's put them in charge of. Yeah, in that chapter on Asa, it happens to be one of my personal favorite chapters, mm -hmm. but. Um, I talk about uh, some referencing from John O'Neill's book from a few years ago called The Paradox of Success. Mm -hmm. And in that book, O'Neill talks about the tendency of successful leaders to at some point self-sabotage, right. blow okay. themselves up. Sure. And in that, he talks about the shadow side mm -hmm. of good traits. So, for instance, uh, somebody has a lot of confidence, which, you know, leaders need a certain amount of confidence, but then that confidence can become inordinate confidence, yeah. and we start being overly dependent upon mm -hmm. our abilities, particularly in the Christian context. Yeah. And um, so, uh, somebody has a great work ethic, all of a sudden that turns into workaholicism. Mm -hmm. So, the shadow side of that, in answer to your question, um, uh, Dr. Engel, I think, at least from my perspective, what a leader in the 21st century has got to be very proactive at doing is just simply slowing down. Mm -hmm. Slowing down long enough to self-analyze, to do self-assessment, honest um, internal uh, surgery. Yep. And it's hard to do that when we're in such a results-oriented culture that it's hard to slow down long enough yeah. to do those hard things. And let, and let me follow up. The, the, the self-sabotage, how much does social media mm. play into that because i mean it's such yeah. access and we want you know you want to be viewed as this great leader and that can really mm. affect and or kind of uh you know cause you to make decisions based on what you're reading seeing in social media right. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think one of the things that uh we struggle with as americans is we have the attention span now of a gnat yeah mm. when sam and i were born and and probably even you you know we we predate a lot of these things life was simpler you know your parents sort of put you outside you played you made right. things mm. <laughs> and then over time you know we added mathematically in our head we didn't even use a calculator and all this things but now we just have so it's like a swarm of gnats coming yeah. at, a, at mm -hmm. the brain all the time 
And I, I think if there's if a person want a, a female or male wants to set themselves apart as a leader, that's that's the first thing that I would say. What Sam said, just slow it down a bit, mm-hmm. step back. Yeah, and you're great at that, uh, President. Going, you, you know, you kind of sit back, reflective, much more than even even I am, and most people. And I think that's one of the many reasons why you know you, you move forward in leadership, and others do too. And so, where did where did you think King, King Asa missed it in his story? You know, what what's that kind of moment in, in his story where if he had just done that, maybe the outcome could have been different? Well, the the amazing thing about Asa and so many of these kings is that Asa had years and years of great success mm-hmm. following God and doing things the right way, but it was toward the end of his kingship mm-hmm. that the bottom fell out. Mm-hmm. And that happens so often. One of the... Um, one of the actual passions behind this book, somebody asked me the other day, if you could wrap up why you wrote this book in one sentence, what would you say? And I just right off the cuff said, to try to help fewer crash and burn. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so, so yeah. uh, you know, Asa, I think at some point, like the other pieces we've talked about, of course, they didn't have social media then, but I think eventually, if we keep listening to the wrong voices, these things pile up yeah. until eventually it caves in. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, and in his case, he, he's probably one of my favorite also because he never turned his back. He, he didn't morally fail in the sense of uh, sexually or idolatry. Those those things we compliment. The text is very complimentary of Asa, mm-hmm. actually one of the greatest kings ever had. The fulcrum, like when we go ride a seesaw, you know, it has a little point there in the middle. The point of that narrative is trust. As long mm-hmm. it, it'll repeat it. As long as he trusted, he did well. He he had an army come up against him. He was outnumbered many times mm-hmm. to one. They they defeated the Egyptians, and the Egyptians basically left Judah alone for about three centuries. Mm-hmm. Then the northern tribes came down against him in his later years, and rather than slowing it down like we talked about and just regrouping and remembering the good, he panicked, mm-hmm. went around to the right, took the, what with the country we would call Syria, mm. and relied on them, trusted in them. Wow. And it worked. In in the natural realm, but it set the stage for 300 years of them being the thorn inside. Wow. So it's a perfect fulcrum. Yeah. yeah. And here's what I've learned about myself, and I think it's true of all humans. I've never heard anybody say this, but mm-hmm. me, but I, I think it's true of all of us. Our flesh does not like to trust. Right. We like to be in control. Yeah, we, we like everything. Yeah. We put handles on it, and it, it takes us time to really slow down. And where, where's our rest? Where's our weight? Yeah. If that makes sense. Well, and that's so powerful because I think so many leaders, you know, you get so caught up on the on the big things like you talked about, idolatry, sexual sins, you know, money, all those different things. It's like, okay, I'm not doing the bad stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm still not trusting in God. I'm still not trusting in the person that set myself in leadership. I'm still building my own platform. And so we see this massive trend of of people having a hard time finishing well. Exactly mm-hmm. what we saw with King Asa, mm-hmm. where it's it's they didn't flame out, they didn't burn out, but the churches die, the momentum mm-hmm. drops, the anointing kind of fills, and they're wondering, well, what, what did I do wrong? I've been faithful my whole life. I never mm-hmm. did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It's you weren't faithful to the to the yeah. calling. You didn't trust in calling. And sometimes that means you didn't trust in God leading you to transition well mm-hmm. on that side of us. Talk to us a little bit. I think one of the fascinating stories when I read this section of Scripture, and I, I love the King section, is kind of my, my favorite part because it's not 
the the weird stuff in Leviticus, and it's you know not the the <laughs> principles and the prophecies on the other side. It's actual action on this side of it. I see a constant theme of failure to transition, and it's really big in that side. What are some of the what are some of the issues happening there, and how can leaders transition well and think about that in their own ministries? Mm. Well, you know, we actually have a chapter in the book on Uzziah. Mm. And Uzziah is a case study in the necessity of transitioning well. Yeah. He was the king for, I think, 52 years, 51 mm -hmm. years, something mm -hmm. like that. And we can't even imagine having someone rule over us for that for long. That right. long. We, can't, we can't even imagine that. <laughs> but for the most part, except toward the end of his life, Uzziah was a great king. Mm -hmm. He goes down as one of those who did right in the sight of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the scuttlebutt on the streets of Jerusalem when they found out that Uzziah was gone? Most wow. of those people had never known anybody but Uzziah, Uzziah. Yeah. and his good kingship. And they're now freaking out. They all have got to be freaking out because they know that the nation rises and falls mm. on the leadership right. that mm. is mm. to come. So who's going to come? Who's going to fill Uzziah's shoes? So we talk a little bit about succession planning yeah. in the chapter on Uzziah and uh, just in a word, great intentionality. Yeah, yeah. and it takes them. And Michael, one of the things they did do in those ancient periods, sometimes it worked, sometimes not as well. Uh, we know they did dual reigns, mm -hmm. and by that I mean, say you are the father yep. or, or son and the father, and you might co-reign for a season. Yeah. And believe it or not, we think it's a bizarre little thing here, technically, that Uzziah, because of he was being a leper. Mm -hmm. and isolated. His son Jotham transitioned with him. Jotham was outstanding, probably one of the greatest of all the kings, believe it or not, didn't mm -hmm. rule long. And then Ahaz ruled right after him, didn't do well. But there may, from what we can all understand from the technical aspects, there was a one point where all three of them Wow. There was a little transition wow. there. So one of them went well, right. one not yeah. as well. So I guess that's the element of our nature. Right. You know, you got to, uh, you know, Adam uh, himself, you know, mm -hmm. fell. So I will throw one other thing in there, according to what Charles just mentioned. Even in the midst of all intentionality, mm. co-ruling, that kind of thing, we have to settle with the fact that you can do the best you can in succession planning, but it doesn't guarantee the results right. you want. Yeah. Yeah. So there we that's go. For sure, yeah. you know we've we've discussed your passion for history and, and Judean culture through the production of this uh, book. I want to dive into some of your um, personal experiences as as leaders. Both of you have traveled uh, overseas and have had the opportunity to minister in in different cultures and to study other cultures. What was your favorite part, uh, or has been, or continues to be, um, uh, international evangelism and getting? to minister um, in other countries? Mm. Well, um, I love it. That's, that's number one. And you talk about uh, Alaska. We just mentioned that. Yeah. It's not another country, but it feels like it. You know, yeah. a lot of respects. Yeah. But um, one of the things, according to the research, and I, I can't remember, I don't believe I mentioned this in, in our book, 
but there's a book called The Leadership Code. Mm. Great research behind it. And according to these authors, 60 to 70 percent of leadership principles are trans-organizational and trans-geographical in their application. Oh, wow. So what we teach in America uh, has application other places. It's just that 30 percent that, that kind of makes or breaks right. what Absolutely. you're doing contextually. But I just, I, I think in answer to your question, I just love the hunger that seems to have always been there but is increasing now. Yeah. I think COVID has done us a great favor mm -hmm. uh, in that it's created a context to where we all realize, okay, we were more clueless than we thought. Yeah. Right. And so it's created a hunger to dive deeper, to learn from each other, and that's overseas as well. Yeah. yeah. We just, my wife and I returned from Mexico way down in the jungles. Right, I was telling uh, Michael about we were up in those jungles where the jaguar uh, in Guatemala down in there, and no one goes visits those people. They're so poor, the pastors, they're not able to go to college or seminary. So we went, but they had a richness. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to talk about when getting choked up. They they had their Bibles out, all these colored pens, mm -hmm. hungry. Mm -hmm. They're not brain damaged by all these cell phones, you know. <laughs> right. And they work hard, and then they come. I think there were about 70 pastors. And believe it or not, President Engel, I use the same PowerPoints here Mm -hmm. As I use there, I don't change them. I even leave them in English, believe it or uh -huh. not, because it lets me let my wife. It lets them Translate hear it, it, hear yeah. it, mm -hmm. and so and then I give them the powerpoints, and then they change them. So mm -hmm. that way they have to lay hands on it. Does that make sense? Sure, and I yeah. taught them the prophets, a little method that we use here, that we've taught thousands of uh, southeastern students who are now out in the ministry, and the hunger, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just and we're just a couple of southeastern. Connections. You know, we have hundreds of these right. Uh, right. students Absolutely. and and uh, Dr. Mm -hmm. Owens and others. Got to work with all that. Any any cool stories that you guys have had? You know, working with these <clears throat> pastors and these ministers. Anything anything that stands to mind as you think mm -hmm. back over the years? Mm -hmm. One real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, this happened right after the Berlin Wall fell in '89. I felt mm -hmm. strongly impressed to write a book on the life of Christ straight from the Gospels. And in, in my mind, I knew what the Lord wanted me to do was to take the four Gospels, combine one readable thing. The, the, the end of 89, I started on it. By May, I went to Russia. I was blessed mm -hmm. to be one of the first to preach in Russia, all throughout Russia. And so when I got to where I was going, a gentleman <clears throat> came up carrying the book I had and and I didn't, his name was Fred Lazenko he was Russian Canadian he said are you the gentleman who wrote this and I said yeah and he just sat down just tears filled his eyes and I didn't even have got the book mm -hmm. a lady that I gave the book on the plane uh, had given it to him somewhere in Russia. Wow. It was like a needle in a haystack. Uh, mm. He said, we have been praying since the Berlin Wall fell that God would speak to someone <laughs> to write this book in wow. this fashion. We want to translate wow. it. Yeah. They translated it thousands and thousands of copies. Mm. It went all throughout Russia. My address was put on the back just constant getting letters, people come to know Christ. Then we took pastors in there. We started churches. Today, we oversee five or six hundred churches mm -hmm. that that were born out of that, that exist there all throughout the former Soviet Union. So I think that yeah, one was like one. I can't even, I, I still boggle at yeah. that. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. It's awesome. Yeah. In, in the past year, uh, you know, our country has faced a lot of division, uh, both racially, politically, um, and in many ways spiritually. All of these challenges actually are discussed in in your 
in your book. And uh, what do you think is one of the biggest um, problems right now that believers specifically are facing in the United States? And they need to they need to make sure they're understanding it and doing everything they can to deal with it. I would say one of the main things, and we do have a chapter in this about the worth of the word. Um, sometimes when I'm teaching, I'll open up with this story. I'm not sure uh, how legendary it is or how true it is, but it's about Vince Lombardi. Okay, and uh, I'll hold up a football. And the story goes, they don't, I, I found different versions, but sometimes they say it's after a big loss. Other mm. times it's at the beginning of the season. Legendary coach, right. world champion, Green right. Bay Packers. Yep. And he'd hold up the football and at the beginning of a practice, he'd say, gentlemen, this is a football. Mm. Yeah. Get back to basics. Yes. And so I think one of the things in a day like ours where there's so much stuff flying around, yeah. Yeah. so much uh, ingenuity, uh, creativity, so-called, all mm -hmm. those things, which is great is that if we're not careful, we'll get addicted to the creative and forget about the basics. Ah, wow. that's so good. Mm -hmm. And I was reading the other day, and it was a revelation to me that for that Psalm, Psalm 100, and it just jumped out at me when he says that his truth endures to all generations. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to reach Gen Z, how to reach right. the millennials, how to reach the next generation. Mm -hmm. When the Bible says His truth endures exactly. to all generations. Yes. Wow. So keeping the foundation is the foundation. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and, and that's so true. Uh, you know, in, in a former career covering sports, to watch teams that were very successful, they spent more time on the fundamentals mm -hmm. yep. than they did mm -hmm. creating plays mm -hmm. and different, you know, it was just being the basic. And that's that's so good. Yeah, yeah. You know, so as you're thinking about you know this book, and we've you know studied kind of the ancient kings, and and really you know you see this big flaw over and over again, missing that basic, missing that connection with God. What are some of the really basic practices that a pastor can do in their lives that that keeps the fundamentals, keeps the main things, the main things? Uh, I, I think one is uh, what what uh, we all talked about earlier, maybe President Engel or, or Sam or all of us, slowing it down a little bit. Less is more. Mm -hmm. We're living in a time mm -hmm. frame where if they'll take the scriptures, mm -hmm. do more with less, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Just divide that meal up. You know, heaven and earth won't pass away because of that one sermon. But when, when it is shorter, it's connecting it lives it's lived out it's prayed over i think that may it is probably one of the best things i would say to work hard at the preaching mm -hmm. uh, paul it comes from a greek word that's applied in the epistles the pastoral epistles to the hard-working farmer it literally means to work to the point of great mm. weariness of the flesh mm. so returning back to that um slowing it down, applying to people, letting that word really penetrate their hearts, uh, encouraging people to slow it down, to be a hearer of the word mm -hmm. and a doer, yeah. and to practice his word, if that yeah. makes sense. You mentioned the hardworking farmer. Paul gives three metaphors to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 when he's talking mm -hmm. about people that you can train to teach yeah. others. Mm -hmm. That's one of them, the hardworking farmer. He said you want to you find characteristics that are going to be important in being successful in what yeah. you do. Hardworking farmer, the winning athlete, 
and the third one just slipped my mind. But, soldier. Uh, yeah, soldier, thank you. Soldier. Yeah. yeah, the soldier, the soldier. And there's actually a chapter in the book to where I leave space for people to do some meditation on what does it mean to be a hardworking farmer? Uh-huh. What does it take to be a winning athlete? Mm-hmm. And what does it take to be a good soldier? And there's both comparisons and contrast, I think, in doing those three. Wow. And if I just add one little addendum, it's very similar to this. Uh, fasting, physical food is, is hard on anybody. I think that's one thing we don't do better telling God to people, look, if you go fast, you're going to feel miserable then. You know, the results come later. But one of the things I think all of us, and I've started doing this, is doing a noise fast mm. where we, we cut the cell phone off, we, we stay away from all the television and, and so forth, and just quiet it right. down. Does okay. that make sense? That's yeah. good. And that little trick, you, you don't have to do it so often. You'll notice, hey, I don't need that as much as, yeah. you know, that those little right. s- millisecond things where I'm sliding the phone. I don't have yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and what benefit really? Can you think of anything you did last year that really mm-hmm. <laughs> changed the world by doing no, that? No, it's huge. I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast, and they call it, they actually call it a dopamine fast. Mm-hmm. So every time you're clicking a button or swiping up or doing anything, you're getting a little hit of, of dopamine in your brain. And they said it actually a wears out that gland and then b wears out your your mm. um the synapses in your brain they don't fire as much and so by stripping everything down and he was he was talking to uh actually a buddhist monk about it but they said just taking that dopamine fast just stripping your brain first you'll go through a withdrawal mm. just like you're a crack addict that kind mm. of thing and then you'll hit this level of clarity because now your brain can fire without needing the stimulation of dopamine it's mm. it's a it's a fascinating podcast they were going in it. And, and in it. our day, that's more difficult than food fast. Yes, oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know you even have that little uh, uh, every week comes up, tells you how much time you spent on your phone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I usually get that every every actually every Sunday, and I look at it, and sometimes it's increased two hour, two hours. I spent more than you know. It's just like it's crazy. Uh-huh. It is, and, it, and and all Americans can identify. Yeah, with that. absolutely. A couple more questions before we uh, move into a fire round and close out this great conversation. In fact. We could literally do a whole podcast series and talk about each each uh, king and, yeah. and and all the issues, and it would be fascinating. But you know, a lot of the great Judean leaders faced their own trials with disagreement occurring mm-hmm. within their nations. When it comes to um, backlash and criticism, what steps do you personally take when you sense conflict with someone in your spiritual community? And how do you fight backlash without compromising values? One of the chapters, the first one, as a matter of fact, I call it the most stupid leadership decision in history. Oh, wow. It, it was Rehoboam. Mm. Rehoboam. Yep. And what he did, he split the nation. And, of course, they never reunited. And it was part of it was this issue here uh, of him not being willing to listen appropriately yeah. to the various sides that were feeding in. So I would say that one of the keys to this whole issue, we understand that an informed people Mm -hmm. is a happy people. We also need to understand that an informing people is a happy people. Mm. Give people a real voice and give them a real ear Mm -hmm. to that real voice. That goes a long way. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, There's a a retirement, uh, real nice retirement area here in town, and they have the professors come over and we do Sunday service days. Real honor. They're they're older than we are, and I'm getting some mileage on me, but uh, (laughs) I noticed they were from all denominations. Quite interesting. And um, 
they they really didn't care. Mm. I thought it was really really kind of interesting, you know. And they they've told me this on more than one occasion. They said, you know, when you get to our age, a lot of those things that mm. you thought were so urgent, mm. wow. uh, you'll find one day. The, what's important is really genuinely loving one another. Yeah. And uh, there, there's a story that's told repeatedly about the Apostle John. As you know, he lived older, and the early father Eusebius wrote about him. And, and it seems to be a, a true story because it's report, repeated so much that when he became elder, they'd take him from little village to little village. The young men would have to carry him. He, got, he became so frail. And he would preach a similar sermon that went basically along these lines, little children love one another mm-hmm. for love is of God. And and in other words, at the end of his life, the person that had last lived with Christ in the flesh, that was the most important thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I, I hope that we get that, me- myself, I'm speaking to myself here, mm-hmm. that we get that message early. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah. Probably not coincidental that that's one of the last commandments Jesus reemphasized yes. to his disciples. And also, one of those things that Jesus warned about in the latter times would be in short supply. Mm-hmm. The love of many would wax cold. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. you guys, you know. You two interact with so many young, you know, up-and-coming pastors, up-and-coming leaders in the church. What, as you think about, you know, this book and all the different principles you online, if there's one thing, one piece of advice you'd give to our students, our listeners, as they're stepping into that kind of first season of ministry, um, what, what, what advice would you give them? Mm. Thinking like that. Wow, that's a great question. I think one of the things that I've observed, and this is, I just started my 20th year here at Southeastern. Wow. So I've kind of seen some things, you know, through the yep. years. Longevity has some has some insight sure. to offer. Yeah. But one of the things about this up-and-coming group, I've noticed it really intensify over the last few years, is something very encouraging, and that is an intense hunger mm. and willingness to learn from the older generation, yep. mm. less an arrogance that maybe was present. Yeah. a number of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So stay hungry and keep humble. humble. Yeah. Yeah. And, humble. and, and I would like to compliment our students. I, yeah. I have found a lot of respect from them, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the up-and-coming ones, a more of a hunger. It's uh, rather encouraging. You know, uh, if the physical, I just, uh, my wife and I both have been a little ill, which is unusual for us, and neither one of us were hungry. Uh, so when you're, when you're not hungry at all mm-hmm. for a long period, time that's usually a sign something's not right, right, right especially yeah. for Americans yeah. but the uh, thin may be in out but out on the streets in America fats where it's at you know? but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I tell them all the time I said if there's one thing you could get from me you're gonna get uh, the anointing can transfer from professor to student mm-hmm. and yeah. there's something in each professor in her life or his that belongs to you I said the one thing I would want from you to receive from me is a hunger, yeah. a hunger for wow. God's word. Slow it down, really listen to it, apply it, and watch what what the word will do. Yeah, that's Last year, I sat with a group of our getting ready to graduate ministry mm-hmm. students, and I asked them just open ended. I didn't give them a choice or anything. Mm-hmm. Just just tell mm-hmm. me what do you expect from a church? Number one, that you would be excited about attending, and number two, that you would want to work in as a staff person. Yeah. Several of the answers blew me away. I never Mm -hmm. saw them coming. But one that really surprised me was they were vehement 
about not wanting a single generation context in place in wow. leadership. Mm, wow. We do not want a church that only has millennials in charge. Hmm. We will not serve in a church that only has uh, Gen Z coming up or mm. whatever. We want the multiplicity of voices because we recognize the multi-generational wisdom yeah. that we can tap into if we're willing to. Yeah, absolutely. So that was that was pretty enlightening from their mouths. Wow. You know. Well, as we move into our fire round and, and close out our, our conversation, we want to ask you a few questions, kind of surrounding a little bit of everything we've we've discussed. And and we always we tell our guests, you know, just answer with the gut. What's the first thing that comes comes to mind? And we just want to grab a few <coughs> practical and applicable pieces of advice from your experiences for all of our listeners today. So I'm going to ask Michael to fire away the first one. All right, all right. So just to just start off, a really light one, kind of slow one across the plate for you guys. How does a person? How does a leader? Have have faithful obedience to their calling. Yeah. Uh, someone said, if you wanted to be full of faith, be faithful. Uh-huh. And uh, in the smaller things, you yeah. know, that it's, uh, it's true in athletics. Yeah. You know, a great coach, she or he, whatever, anywhere from badminton all the way up to full contact mm-hmm. uh, football, they they have them do be do this little thing yeah. at first and just, just focus on do it well. That's good. I would speak primarily to pastors here, though the principle is applicable, I think, across the board. But that is make sure that you are very um, honest with yourself at a point to where you may become a hearer of the word and even a giver of the word, but are not personally being a doer, doer. of wow. the word. Yeah. Wow. Because it's easy to do that in a pastoral context. Sure. A chef can starve to death making gourmet meals for others. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Second question, what steps do you take to guard and, and cultivate uh, your integrity? Well, uh, you know, that uh, Sam and I talk about this. We've been inherited from the older generation. They used to warn us when we were in college, you know, the gold, the glory, and the gals. Yes, I mean, yes I've heard it. But uh, those are the chief uh, trans- uh, transgressions of hu- humanity. You know, they appeal to our pride, to, to our appetites, and uh, those things. Uh, so I, I think just being more cognitive, yeah. if anything, it's just like uh, the great thing about a rattlesnake, it does have rattles. You can mm-hmm. hear you it. You can hear it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have been around very poisonous snakes that came ultra close to biting me that didn't have rattles. Those are the ones that are mm-hmm. that we have to be more cautious with. It. Uh, I'm, I'm, when I first married Vanessa, she came screaming at, into our house, and she said, there's a snake. Well, I just assumed it was you know, non-point. And I went out there barefooted and, oh, lo and behold, President was right at my ankle. I started screaming. Wow. <laughs> she did not wow. like that. You know, my pride held me back. But that thing was rising. It was a water moccasin. Wow. And I was barefooted. Now, I, I would have survived it most likely, but uh, I think it's the ones that sure. are quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's good. It'll get you. Well, this may sound a little funny, but I would say listen to your wife. Yeah. Or your spouse. Listen to your spouse. I think God puts us together for a reason. Right. And I have found in the past when I did not listen to my wife, it was to my detriment. Mm -hmm. It really was. I... uh, 
I, I yeah, I call my wife Jehovah's Nudge. There we go. Yes. There we go. That's a good. Yes. That's a good name. <laughs> she, uh, I've never heard that one. I she nudges me that. in the way God wants me to go. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's so, great. That is Love a great it. one. That, that is fun. so funny. Wow. So good. And it, I mean, I've got a hundred. Let me just. I want to camp on this one just for a second. I know it's a fire round, so let me just jump on this because we just had a. Ma- I mean, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the, to kind of the news, Christianity. We had a, a kind of again it's not the first time you guys have seen this a lot but a a a a pastor who was a celebrity pastor, massive, massively influential in the church, really did a lot of good in the last two decades when you're talking about advancing Christianity and the faith. And it comes out, he's got this his girlfriend, it's on USA Today, all these different things. You know, what I, I everybody says it doesn't that thing doesn't ha- that kind of thing doesn't happen overnight, right? Like he didn't just walk out onto the street and somebody jumped hit, jumped his bones and then it's you know it's all said and done. What are the patterns that lead to that kind of thing that maybe we need to keep our eyes on? You know, and that's for anybody. I mean, this isn't just a, a man issue. This well, is I, a, any yeah, any leader well, in pastoral I, ministry. I remember. Um, um, Judas, you know, mm-hmm. you, you read it. How could he betray the Lord of glory? You think about that. But then as we back up into the text, it says he pilfered from the treasure. Pilfering is a word we don't use too much in the 21st century, but it's the idea of little tiny little things Huge. that he justified in his brain. And, and I guess over time it seared that nerve, that mm-hmm. conscience nerve. I remember when I started working for this little rural grocery, my mother set me down a dad. But, but particularly my mother, she said, Charlie, don't even one piece of candy you take from from this gentleman, you know, yeah. you you pay for everything. No matter, don't ever justify it. And I thought that was really interesting. Now, in that case, it's financial. We can kind of hold that in our hand. I think the gentleman you're talking about there, it was more with his passions, not keeping his affections in the right mm. direction, you know. But it's a similar concept, you know. Sure. That that conscience just sort of gets uh, calloused over. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I would say, uh, do not um, neglect fences. Yeah, I was shocked the first time we visited the Grand Canyon. Of course, that's a big hole in the ground. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was shocked, and what shocked me was not the massiveness of the Grand Canyon, but there were no fences. Right. That's what blew my mind. Really? Right. Wow. And every year, there's oh. people that oh, take yeah. the big aloha. Right. You know, they're yep. back up one more step for the picture, and they're gone. Really? Seriously. Oh. And uh, I think that. Uh, Leaders who flirt with the edge Mm. have to understand that if they keep flirting with the edge, one day the law of gravity is is going to apply to them just like it does everyone else. So when a leader gets to the point to where they feel like the laws that apply to everybody else do not apply to them, Mm. uh, they're in danger. Yeah, and that's so good, especially in a society where people criticize fences like yeah, it's like what? exactly exactly like what kind of, what kind of person are you, you need that oh you're so strong but it's like mm. no like people who are strong put fences up exactly that's not a sign of weakness that's a sign of like hey i understand reality mm-hmm. and i'm creating mm. and i'm going to organize our our um, my environment in a way that protects me from this this real reality yeah, yeah. So. that's good uh, uh now are you going to form a class particular class just on this or 
Well, not a particular class. I know right now of four courses that are going to be using this book this semester. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Charles is using it in Old Testament survey, and mm -hmm. all of our students have to take that, not just ministry sure. majors, yep, but all right. of them come through because the principles are applicable yeah. you know, across the board. I'm going to be using it in both a master's class and a doctoral class. Great. Uh, the master's class is called Shaping a Leadership Culture, and the doctoral class is Spirit-Empowered Leadership. So I'm going to be using it in both of those. And then our colleague, uh, Joe Davis, mm -hmm. uh, just... Um, emailed me the other day and said he's, he read it and decided to use it in his Theology 2 class. Oh, wow. So that, I know they're going to be, and most of these classes will not have, you know, there won't be any bleed over. Most of them do sure. not have the same students. So I know it's getting traction in those areas. Cool. That's great. And where can our listeners grab a hold of it if they wanted to? Uh, Amazon. It, right? It's mm -hmm. on there. It's on Kindle. Uh, Gateway uh, Press, they have it with other mm -hmm. things, but Amazon's probably the quickest for, yeah. for the average that's person. Well, Charles and Sam, I want to thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership Podcast. Uh, as uh, all of our listeners can tell you, they are all-star uh, professors here. And uh, just to be able to sit under your teaching and your experience is just uh, a privilege. Well, and we, your ears may burn. Uh, we, we talk about them, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, and, Absolutely. Uh, We're you very back. grateful and, for the leadership. And, very uh, much we, we, I, I was uh, on the way over my best friend. Uh, call me. He's a retired Navy SEAL. Oh wow! Uh, Steve Blanton and I was bragging him about about you, and I said, you know, you would really appreciate our president. He's, he's a very, very good man and team, and mm -hmm. uh, I was talking about Michael yeah. as well. So well, thank you. Well, you. You guys make a good team, don't you think? Oh, we, oh, we are. We've been together now, what, four years? Yeah, four years. Scott, uh, headed on to five, half a decade. He was, he was honestly, I, I, I told him this, but it's true. He was one of the best students I ever had. And Isaiah, he and another student dressed up as medical doctors yep. and did the lecture. <laughs> wow. And came in and brought a body in there and did an, an exam. Sam, I mean, you know, fake mm -hmm. thing, and they were they were taking the passage, which Isaiah had all that language, sure, yep, like right, a medical right, doctor, right. and uh, they were pulling all kind of stuff out of that that cadaver, you know. Yeah, oh, was, well, like, awesome. to this day, I can still we'll have to we'll have to have you do that. Uh, I will. For us. I'll go back and lay it down. And <laughs> talk about the autopsy that was That's the awesome. nation of Israel. It was great. Yeah. yeah, I'll never forget the A B C period. It's yeah. the greatest way to memorize how the Old Testament works. I'm telling you guys, if you want to, if you want a fantastic Old Testament class, a fantastic church leadership class. Get to Southeastern, audit it oh, if you yeah, haven't been absolutely. here. These two gentlemen. By the way, I think I think we do this, and if we don't, we ought to make it happen. But I even think all of our alumni uh, can come and 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 audit a course for free. I believe is yeah, is part right. of what we that do. And, awesome. and so all of our alumni that are listening, you want you want to be a part of uh, what uh, uh, Sam and Charles do and their teaching, and just get refreshed. I'd encourage you to do that because mm -hmm. I know you'll be blessed very very much. Yep. And if anybody else, if you want to stay up to date with Charles and Sam's, obviously they're on. LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, you know, um, you can you can just look them up on that side. You can also order their book, like you said, on Amazon. Lead like a king slash queen. We'll put the link to that in our show notes. So if you're on if you're watching us on YouTube right now or you're listening to it on Amazon, you can go right to the description. There should be a link right there, take you right to the book. And as always, you know, if you're listening to us on Facebook and if you're listening to us on YouTube specifically and you're liking this conversation, go ahead hit that like button, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single week of Framework Leadership Podcast. You can get more content daily on Instagram, Kent underscore Ingle, or Twitter at Kent Ingle. And you can, as always, visit our website, subscribe to our newsletter at kentingle.com. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Framework Leadership.